You're listening to the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast, your source for news, discussion, and debates about the Vols and Lady Vols basketball programs. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to another episode of the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. I am Nathaniel Rutherford, joined again by Gene Henley, and we're here for a jam-packed episode of the podcast today. Going to have a few Tennessee topics, obviously, but it's going to be a little broader range, but we're obviously going to talk about Tennessee basketball in a second. Thank you all for tuning in. If this is your first time, thank you so much for joining the show. You can find us everywhere podcasts are found. We're at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Amazon, you name it, we're on there. So go find us, go subscribe today. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you can. A five-star review would be fantastic. You can also follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. We're at Vol Hoops Fever on Twitter and Vol Basketball Fever on Facebook. Well, Gene, you and I were talking quite a bit before we hit record here about the main topic of the show today. And that is, of course, everyone's favorite topic right now because it's all anyone's talking about and that is conference realignment slash conference expansion. Of course, we're talking about the SEC looking like now it's more or less official with the reports and news that came out on Monday that after the 2024-2025 academic year, Texas and Oklahoma of the Big 12 are going to join the SEC and leave the Big 12. So I'm sure that's going to be a fun next what, four years for those two programs and the and all the sports. I'm sure fans uh, of the opposing uh, other Big 12 programs are going to just, you know, let them have it over the next four or five years, or I guess three or four years here. But with that news, looking like the SEC is going to expand to 16 teams, I personally don't think it'll be done at that. There hasn't been any solid reporting necessarily about any other schools, but there's been rumors and stuff online, speculation about other schools reaching out from, you know, like the ACC and stuff about joining. So I don't know, you know, how much truth there really is to any of those. But I personally don't think it'll be done at 16 teams, but for conversation's sake here, and so we don't get off on a gigantic tangent and, and talk for an hour about just conference realignment, I do want to talk about specifically about how it's going to affect, how, how bringing in Texas and Oklahoma can potentially affect both the men's and women's basketball programs at Tennessee, because this has largely been nationally and locally and regionally a very football-dominated conversation about the conference realignment because that's just it is what it is Co- college football is the the bell cow of college sports it's the money maker it's the one that you know brings in all the millions of dollars yes basketball does bring in millions but we all know football is the the main power source of money and this is obviously a big money move and big money grab money hungry um move by all the commissioners and stuff that are doing this and it makes sense if you i mean from a Bottom line standpoint, yeah, it makes sense to go to the SEC if you're Texas and Oklahoma, especially with the TV money that the SEC is about to make. They are making great money with the deal with the CBS going, you know, up and <laughs> and the SEC signing a gigantic deal uh, moving from CBS. I mean, there, there's even going to be even more money to go around. You have Texas that brings the Longhorn Network. Oklahoma, obviously, prestigious in uh, football, but they also are, are pretty good in other sports and, and as well. But football's been the main driving force in this whole conversation. It's always been the main driving force when it comes to conference realignment. Gene, you are talking about before you hit record here, you know, looking back at the old Big East, uh, Big East days in football, that dissolved and basketball just kind of had to deal with it. The original SEC expansion, well, I say original, there's been multiple, but the most recent one, I guess, back back in 2012, 
that was football dominated. I wasn't. I was not. I was not born 1991 when SEC when, when South Carolina and Arkansas. I was born just a couple years later. But I was not born when they were brought into the full. But I imagine that obviously that was a football conversation that had that had little to do with basketball and baseball and softball and all that sort of stuff. It was mostly a football um, dominated conversation. Even though Arkansas basketball ended up being pretty darn good in the 90s, um, it was definitely more of a football conversation. So I don't think it's it's not really been talked about a ton about how this is going to affect Tennessee Vols and Lady Vols. And I think it, to me, I don't think it's great news for Tennessee football that you're going to have two teams like Texas and Oklahoma, one in Oklahoma that's been, you know, repeatedly in the playoffs, you know, the past five years, a, a team that's historically in the past 20 years has won a national title, has competed for multiple national titles, has, you know, put up Heisman winners and stuff. Texas has obviously won a title in the last 20 years. Um, they've competed for a couple not been as good the last 10 years, but they've still been better than Tennessee the last 10 years when you look at a, a national perspective. Still, they've, they've fallen from where they should be, but you're also in football now. That's going to be recruiting the state of Texas. That's going to be even more difficult for not just Tennessee, but for all SEC schools because the big sell to Texas athletes was that, hey, you can be in the SEC. Yeah, you can play for Texas, but we have the SEC, and the SEC is where you know premier football is played in college. Now, Texas can make that same pitch in four years. Say, hey, we're we're in the SEC. Just stay home with us. You don't go. T- don't go to Texas A&M. Stay home with us. Or even Oklahoma that has done a good job recruiting at Texas can say the same thing. Hey, we're in the SEC. Stay here and or come up here, and you still be in the SEC. So, but I don't think that applies to college basketball because college basketball isn't so much of a regionally recruited sport. You have guys from kind of all over the place. Yes, there are certain regions that do have more talent crop up than others, but it's not nearly as a southern dominated recruiting sport as football. So I don't think from that perspective it really hurts Tennessee and I don't think from a I just don't think from an overall perspective from both Lady Vols and, and Vols perspective that it really hurts them. I, I would just be curious to see what you know what, what divisions how they realign that and all this sort of stuff but to me I mean for, for Tennessee basketball it just adds another two quality opponents to your schedule that's going to boost your you know, as long as you're a good program, it's going to boost your net, your RPI every year. Because Texas, even when they've been down, you know, they've still been, you know, it's not like they've been horrible for the most part. They, they've been at least competitive. They're, they're going to help boost your, um, you know, your, your conference scheduling, sorry, the schedule. Oklahoma's had some pretty darn good players the last few years. And you look at Blake Griffin, and look at Trey Young. Uh, they've been, you know, pretty quality opponent or pretty quality team over the last decade. To me, that's, it doesn't, it would, it does not scare me excuse me, like nearly, nearly as much in men's basketball as it does um, in football. And same thing for, for Lady Vols. I mean, I don't think Texas, I, I don't, they've not been as, I don't think as good in the last few years as they you know, were. It's funny, we just talked about this, you know, a few episodes ago, Gene. It feels like uh, talking about um, their old head coach. Who I just forgot her name now, but um, it, it de- def- definitely doesn't scare me because Oklahoma and Texas hasn't, they haven't been as good in women's basketball as, unless I'm remembering incorrectly, as historically as, you know, I guess, well, not historically, but as, as the last 10, 15 years as kind of both the men's programs have. So if I'm Lady Vols, again, I think it, if anything, it just kind of adds a, a, another couple of quality opponents to your schedule. If I'm the men, like, I don't, it doesn't scare me from a recruiting perspective because it's not like Rick Barnes has really gone head-to-head with Texas on recruits much that I can, that I can think of over the last three or four years. And same thing with Oklahoma. So again, I I don't I don't think it really concerns me if I'm Tennessee basketball men's or women's 
but was, again, I, I want to talk about this because I don't think we've really, I've not heard a whole lot of conversation at all about how this is going to affect or, you know, could affect Tennessee's basketball programs. Because again, they're kind of an afterthought that this has been a very heavy football dominated conversation when it comes to conference realignment. Yeah. And, uh, first off, I mean, it's interesting uh, while you were talking, um, I was doing some research on just, uh, just what Texas and Oklahoma have done, uh, in basketball, like last season. And, um, Texas has not been great, but uh, I'll say this. I mean, we, we can't forget that uh, Texas's head coach is Big Schaefer, who was at Mississippi State, uh, and kind of built them to two-time NCAA runner-up um, in his time. They were the best team in the SEC that year. That they, you know, 16-0 in the SEC. They were one of the top teams in the country. Uh, and, you know, he's from Texas, and so... Uh, like that's that's something that can't be forgotten. Like yeah, this is his, he went twenty one and ten this past year in the Big Twelve. Uh, you know, teammate to the Elite Eight, and I think narrowly lost. I don't remember exactly who too, but I feel like lost a narrow game to. I'm sorry, I can't remember exactly who it is. Um, you know, interesting little note there. Uh, assistant coach for uh, for Texas women is a woman named Calamity McIntyre. Who was uh, who was like a student assistant at Tennessee in the early 2000s? Um, I'm actually you know, a friend of mine, so uh, so that I mean, there's a little bit of a Tennessee connection there to any you know Lady Lady Vols fans that listen to the podcast. Uh, Calamity was at Dayton, I believe, for a while. Um, has been there for the past few years, and you know Dayton's had some success in women's basketball, so. Uh, you know, obviously good for her to kind of get this opportunity. Oklahoma struggled, so it, it looks it may look good for Tennessee to say they beat Oklahoma in a women's basketball game, but yeah, yeah, uh, you know, it doesn't really mean an awful lot. They they went they went twelve and twelve this year. So uh, on the men's side, both Oklahoma and Texas may, um, made the NCAA tournament uh, this year. Obviously. Texas will have a new coach because Shaka went to Marquette. Chris Beard's there now, um, so it'll be interesting what he does there. Uh, Oklahoma made it to the second round of the NCAA tournament. The only thing I remember about Oklahoma is that they beat Bama. No, is it Bama that they beat? Uh, yeah, because they, they, yeah, they challenge. Yeah, they I beat them in the middle of their home. big winning streak. Yeah, I happened to be at home that day and I saw it, and uh, they were overwhelmingly good. And I don't think that was a full team either. Um, so, so I think it looks good, and of course, I mean, like you said, like so many of these decisions are made with football. With it, football is always in mind, and I think one of the concerns going forward is with a league like the Big Twelve is, and it may be an issue with the SEC ultimately, unless the money just continues to flow to a point where it doesn't matter. Um, what are we doing? Like, I mean, seriously, like, what are we, what are we doing? We've got West Virginia in the Big Twelve. West Virginia going to play Texas in any sport or vice versa makes literally no sense. Um, with this new with this new change, uh, probably need to go ahead and scrap the SEC name. Sorry, but 
Southeastern yep. Conference doesn't seem to make an awful lot of sense because I don't know Nathaniel. And I'm, again, I've traveled a lot this month. I'm tired. I'm literally running like three, four hours of sleep a weekend. I drove nine hours from Orlando yesterday. But the last time I checked, um, Columbia, Missouri, and Fayetteville, Arkansas are not southeast. I could be wrong. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe things have changed. It's been crazy. Uh, so I don't know. But it just seems like it's time to scrap the whole label of Southeastern Conference. I mean, much like we've scrapped the whole notion of um, amateurism and stuff like that because it it doesn't make any sense. Um, no, yeah, it needs to be if – you're, if you're doing this, and again, if you also are adding other teams, this is when you need to – convince the SOCON or the Big South that, that to change their name and you and you steal those names and go back to being we were talking about this before we record, you go back to being the Southern Conference of, of the 1920s where you had like a huge conference yeah. of, of schools that all went to be the SEC or ACC I mean South Carolina Texas will be a conference game next year in the Southeastern Conference <laughs> this it, it doesn't seem mm. you know and you know uh, Florida Oklahoma, which yeah. is a decent national championship game in 2007 in football. I, I mean, to be fair, uh, but I mean, like when you got things like you're talking about, look, SEC can afford it, so travel is not going to be that much of an issue. And we're an SEC basketball podcast that focuses primarily on Tennessee, so they'll be fine because they're not so awful far away to where it doesn't make any sort of logistical sense. Although, again, Tennessee, Oklahoma, I was supposed to make that trip last year. I think it was, or whatever year they were going for football. And I was looking at that travel. Yeah. Yeah, I was looking at that travel and just wondering exactly. I think it was like 14 hours by car, I think. I I think I was going to fly maybe to Oklahoma City, but I I don't remember. But, um, like, it, it it just begs the question, what are we doing? Like, I understand the greed that's been laid, it's kind of been laid bare out there for everybody to see. Uh, and look, it may, some people, it, it doesn't feel good. I actually read a piece, I read a portion of a piece by Chris Vanini um, of The Athletic. I saw, a few, I saw a couple paragraphs of it and they, before I got busy today. Um, and I get it. Like, I'm not one to complain about it. Um, I, I'm going to sit down if I'm free on a Saturday afternoon during football season and I'll watch you know, the inevitable conference game between Florida State and Washington, which is going to happen here in like two or three years or something like that. Um, but it, it just seems and it feels weird. But, I mean, is there – does it make – it doesn't make the conference any better in basketball whatsoever. Not really, Texas, no. Yeah. yeah, Texas and Oklahoma do not bring a single thing unless you want to – Unless you want to tout Texas, I'm pretty sure they won the NIT in 1920. No, 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 1819. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty. I, I think that they won the NIT that year, and that was, you know, of course, it prompted the Texas's back chance um, with Shaka. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I, I mean, it, it's just one of those things where, like, I get it. Like Trey Young was good, but man. I hate to say it, that was like what four years ago, and in this climate, four years ago was like fifteen minutes ago. I'm sorry, I'm the exact opposite. Four <laughs> years is like twenty years ago. So I'm telling you, there you go. 
<laughs> say I'm shot. Uh, yeah, four years ago was like 20 years ago in, in terms of how we look at these things. Like, man, you may as well you may as well have been talking about something that happened in 2001 because Trey Young had you know had a run. I mean, heck, like Oklahoma. I mean, that was quite some time ago. Man, I, I remember like what Buddy Held or how you say his last name got into the Final Four in 2016. Like I, I'd forgotten about that until I just now looked it up to like go back and because I was like I remember them making a run not so long ago. That was five years ago and I'd forgotten about it already. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That was five years ago. That's how fast stuff moves. Mm-hmm. And you look at that, and then you look at Trey Young, who I'm assuming I think was three years ago. Um, I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was like 2018 when he was in the 2018 draft. Yeah, he was 2018 because DeAndre Ayton, Luka Doncic, yeah. So, uh, Trey Young. And, like, man, that feels like it was forever ago. Buddy Hill's a trade target for teams now. And everybody loved that guy until they got blown out in the Final Four by, like, 40 points. But, I mean, I don't know. It doesn't really add anything. It adds a name. But outside of Knoxville, Tennessee, is anybody really going to care about the Tennessee-Texas game? Really? Well, I mean, they they will as long as Rick Barnes is at Tennessee. But once he's gone, I don't know that that's as big of a thing. I'm saying outside of Knoxville, like yeah. I mean, and do they really care? Is it just a, it, it? It'll be an interesting storyline the first time he goes yeah. off. That's a good point. That's it. I mean, like after that, it's who cares? You know, I mean, I hate, again, I hate to say it like that, but. Who cares? You know, the things that we think are interesting really aren't that interesting after the first time. You know, after the first time, I mean, like, Lane Kiffin's going to come to Knoxville at some point. He's going to play a game. And after that, nobody really cares. Nobody really does. So it doesn't really add an awful lot. I mean, I guess Vic Schaefer going to Mississippi State and women's basketball will, will matter. But, I mean, it's it's a nice story, but it's obviously football-driven. Everything else is just fodder. And it's forgotten fodder because you and I, aside from the two of us and the person, the contrarian, who decides, you know what, everybody's, everybody's going to zig and talk football. So I'm going to zag and talk about why wow, this is bad for women's tennis. Aside from somebody like that, and it is really bad for like women's tennis and sports like that. I mean, men's tennis, women's tennis, all these minor sports – you know, playing a conference game, you know, flying from floor I mean, from Gainesville to to Austin. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Look at look at yeah. softball because Oklahoma softball has been obviously you know yeah. very good, and then now they're joining the SEC in this case. And that's yeah, again, that that travel is not going to be easy. Yeah, it's really schools. bad, really bad. But I mean, but like yeah, aside from you know, like the 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 contrarian who's out there who wants to say, or, or the person who wants to quote unquote think outside the box. Nobody's talking about this stuff outside of football because they don't really know how to have the conversations. And I think too many times in life when we don't know how to have the conversations, like it's basically we're first take society instead of talking about, you know, context to certain things. We just like look at the surface because that's easier. But I mean, again, it doesn't really add an awful lot to the basketball stuff. But hey, I mean, more power to them. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, heck. I guess probably maybe the biggest fan of this may be like somebody like a David Ubbin, who obviously has a ton of Big 12 <laughs> experience. Um, I, I'd imagine that's I mean, maybe it's good for him. I, I don't know how he feels about this. Uh, I have not read his thoughts. We have to get him on the podcast and ask him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
Like, I think he would be an interesting person to talk about something like this because, like, yeah, that's a dude who has the context. And, you know, when we, but when we look at this stuff, well, Ubin doesn't really care about basketball other than the tournament. But, um, but like, yeah, I mean, I, I think outside, beyond football, it, it's just a conversation that we don't know how to have because, like, the reality is it doesn't add an awful lot. But we're so wrapped up in Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC. You know, greed, greed, I can't believe it, money, all this, that, and the other. Uh, aside from that, the simple stuff, just hitting the right notes, we don't know what we're talking about. I just think it's, again, I think it's a good, it's probably a good move for, um, you know, the conference's pockets. Competitively, it doesn't necessarily make you any better because, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you want to talk football, Oklahoma's been pretty good. Texas is not. Uh, you want to talk basketball? Neither team have really been really good unless they've had some sort of, you know, transformational player. And we're only really talking about one school there. That's Oklahoma. I don't really remember the last time. I mean, Texas. I mean, 2008 with Kevin Durant. You know, PJ Tucker, NBA champion PJ Tucker, you know, Lamarcus Aldridge. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jackson Hayes, you want me to get excited about him? Jackson Hayes rolling into Knoxville to play a game? I mean, that dude was drafted 10th. And, I mean, I think they've, got, they've got some guy who's probably a draft pick. I mean, as we kind of segue a little bit, I mean, they've got some guy who's going to be probably picked up in the draft and some ridiculous athlete that they've got. But, I mean, nobody's going out of their way to watch Texas basketball play. And pretty much right now, the same with Oklahoma. Uh Heck, they weren't even the best. They weren't even the, they weren't even the best watching their own state this this past year. No, so state yeah. with Kate Cunningham. Two two things here. I was one of the things was I, uh, I was going to make a rebuttal to your point about um, things not mattering. Maybe talk about you know Rick Barnes and Texas now that that's not as big of a deal outside of Knoxville or outside of Austin. I was going to say well I was going to say well what, what about when Bruce Pearl plays Tennessee? But I was like that's probably I don't think that's actually newsworthy. I don't think if anyone that moves the needle at all outside of the SEC. Like obviously in Auburn and, t- and, t- and Knoxville, but like it's a big deal on the SEC network and stuff when it happens, but or kind of a big deal then. But like that doesn't move the needle nationally. So I mean I think you're right then. I, I was like I was like, I'll make that rebuttal. And I was like, well, the more I think about it, I think the more Gene's right. Like that's not really that's a very regional thing. And even then like I don't know that like Kentucky fans really care a whole lot that Bruce Pearl has beaten Tennessee. Like I don't think they you know, I don't think Alabama fans care that much like I, I don't think that's it's big in those two cities and it is kind of big in the SEC in general but I mean I don't think Jay Billis you know cares that Bruce Pearl and, and Tennessee have this this heat with between them because he used to coach Tennessee like I don't think it matters unless they play in the NCAA tournament if, they, if those two teams meet up then then it'll be a storyline but that's again that's a one-off thing so I think you're right the about that storyline the bigger storyline for that would be two SEC teams playing that late in the NCAA tournament right yeah, exactly. Not, you're not going to put those two in earlier rounds. I mean, and, and look, I mean, after the first time, yeah, like the first time, it's big, man. But it gets less and less and less important um, that those two teams are facing off. I mean, and heck, and it has to, be, and it's so specific that if you know Tennessee dry, going down to Auburn, Alabama, doesn't won't move the needle at all. Is Bruce coming to Knoxville? That yeah. does. Exactly. You know, and and like I, I'm not sure that those things really exist. Like I said, Vic Schaefer, the first time that he, you know, that Texas plays at Mississippi State, 
yeah, I mean, you'll have some people, and I mean, there'll probably just as much respect in that regard as there will be hatred because I mean, that's just a different, it's a different animal, and it sounds good. The return game, and he's on the opposite sideline, and you know, I'm like, there. I mean, heck, who do you think t- Tennessee fans dislike more? Bruce Pearl or Will Wade? And they really have a specific reason to hate Will Wade. They just hate Will Wade. I mean, like, it's not like Bruce gave them tangible a tangible reason to dislike him. You know, Will Wade, you know, my man, love the guy. Wears <laughs> suits to the game, you know, and takes him off at halftime. You know, like, I've laughed about that with friends of mine, and I've laughed about it with Will. He used to like, rock these suits at halftime. And, you know, but, I mean, he, I'm sorry, he rocked these suits and take them off at halftime. But, yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, th- there's just, it's a very, very regional thing. And some of it's just the sport in general, because some of these conferences, you play each other twice. So, like, I, I mean, can I keep, <laughs> how do I keep, you know, drumming up all this hostility? I don't want to, you know, should I, why should I care? Make me care. And that's a lot of what this world is, is making you, you know, trying to make you care about the subject matter. And I just don't know how often you can just drum up a whole bunch of anger and hostility towards Bruce Pearl. I don't think it's going to be often. Uh, I mean, I don't look, Rick Barnes, that situation in in Texas, um, I don't think he's going to get booed an awful lot. Yeah. I mean, I ask you this question: If uh, you want you want Rick Barnes to get booed, let him take that UCLA job two years. <laughs> You're exactly right. Yeah, that, and let them come back to Knoxville. I mean, for for something, anything, because that that would have been extremely interesting. But yeah, I mean, because that would be him leaving. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, it had been like the first time when, when Lane Kiffin was the, the offensive coordinator at Alabama when they came to Knoxville for the first time and he was in returned and he got, like, the boos were the loudest I've ever heard in Newland Stadium for anything when he ran onto the field. Like, yeah, it'd be like that, but basketball, so it wouldn't be as loud because it would be, you know, 90-plus thousand people there. But still, you're, you're absolutely right. <laughs> that that would have been, if you wanted to hear booing, that would have been hatred and booing. And I'd, side note before I get to my second point, I forgot you would have covered um, Will Wade at UTC. Back in the in 2013, 2014, 2015, back then. Yeah, 14, 15. We talked. He and I talked a lot back then. Um, I mean, got all the time, and it, it, and so it was a case where, I mean, he and I built a relationship to. I mean, like his last day uh, when he had taken the VCU job. I mean, like he would not. He he only met with me and <laughs> sat there and cried, and you know and. Like basically, didn't not on my shoulder, but you know, obviously covering smaller schools, you basically have a one-on-one relationship with the coach. So you two are texting often, you're communicating, you're 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 doing a lot of stuff, and so you build you build relationships with these guys that you know kind of have a certain level of, certain level of intimacy, you know. And I still remember when the whole thing came out two years ago about the transcripts, and I'm covering Tennessee at the time, and um, a couple of the guys on the beat, on the Tennessee beat, looked at me. They're like, "Man, your boy's in it." And uh, I was like, I think the first thing I said was, "Ah, uh, man, you know how these transcripts go. I mean, you know how these recordings go. Maybe it's not him." And then I read the transcript, and my exact thought was, "That is 100% Will Wade," <laughs> because I know how he talks. 
Um, so, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a, you know, like to, the, I'd imagine that that's probably the worst, that's probably the worst relationship that people, um, I'm not sure that, that may be the worst, like, hatred that Tennessee fans have. Like, the Pearl thing is kind of hard to kind of process because he was successful there. And there are some who will blame, who don't blame him for what happened. Uh, Will's different because he's a Nashville guy. Um, I think he, did he go to Vandy? Can't remember. I'll look it up. I feel like. I don't think Vandy was where he went. I'm sorry, I can't remember. It's. Uh, I'm, I'm blowing it up. Yeah, he's from Nashville. He went to. I know he. I know he went to Providence. He went to Clemson. Actually, is where he graduated oh, that's from. That's right. That's right. That's right. Because he was a student assistant there. Um, no, but I think he may have gone to like Father Ryan, private school uh, in high school. So I mean, there's just that weird Nashville thing, Nashville Knoxville thing with him, and it's Will, and it's everything that happened. So, uh, yeah, like watching that happen. And like there was hatred before all the transcripts came out. It's not like that. It's very specific. To <laughs> it's, it's weird. I don't know what the you know what the genesis of it was. Uh, oh, I think it was the ref thing. It was the ref thing at the LSU game. Oh, yeah, Anthony Jordan. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was the ref thing, and yeah. So, um, so yeah. Look, I'm not about to be a Will Wade apologist. I am not about. No, to be I, I think next time he loses, I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask if you're gonna let him cry on your shoulder. <laughs> No, like I said, it was it was such a weird thing. Cause like I said, I, I knew, I knew how he felt, and it's so it's he got he got the next head coach, um, a bigger job basically because of that roster he left. He left. I mean, he he left a roster that was ready to win a turn the a conference championship, and they did. Mm-hmm. And you know, in the second year, some a couple of those like they had the whole team back, and. The coach didn't know what he didn't. He couldn't handle it, and they completely fell apart down the stretch and lost like eight of twelve. And the guy bolted and got UMass, and he's been trying to figure out UMass for like six years now. But uh, but yeah, I, I think Will knew, and like I think one of the last times I talked to him face to face was in 2017. I was a, I went down to Baton Rouge, and he and I were talking. I just flatly said, "Why LSU?" And he said, "I think we can build something here." Now, unfortunately, um, he was telling me about some kid who was in state, who was a big time prospect. I'm pretty sure he saw. In hindsight, I'm pretty sure so much Avante Smart, uh, which means I was this guy was privy to some of the stuff that was going on <laughs> in terms of the offers and blah 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 blah. But uh, but I mean, like I said, I'm happy to see him success. I understand that it's come at a price, and I understand that. Every year, you're wondering when that's going to finally just fall apart or whatever. But um, Will is Will, and I don't know exactly how we ended up on a Will Wade. I don't either. Uh, <laughs> but here we are. But anyways, I, I think uh, LSU's not going anywhere. Um, I, I can say that I, LSU may have a guy drafted though. Uh, last thing, last thing about Will Wade, he went to Franklin Road Academy. In Oak Hill, okay. actually, so okay. that's where we went to high school at. Uh, to to get back to the, I don't know how we went. Uh, Will Wade tangent. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, <laughs> for all the, those you know what, I'm hate not, Will Wade. Sorry. 
I'm not sorry. Let Nathaniel apologize. <laughs> I'm not apologizing for anything. This is a new leaf I'm turning over. Done apologizing. All right. I like sorry. it. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Uh, the second thing, and, and the final kind of point about the conference realignment stuff, that talking about the you know talking about the Big East dissolving back when it dissolved and stuff, and obviously now there's a new Big East, but it's not how it used to be in basketball, especially. If this happens with Texas and Oklahoma, Big Twelve is going to have to either go raid a smaller conference, or they're going to have to break off and go join like the, the teams in the Big Twelve. The remaining eight teams will have to go join whether it's the Pac-12, Big Ten, you know, or whatever. <laughs> I don't like. I can't imagine that the SEC would want to go after Kansas just for men's basketball because I was looking and it's not like they're great in any other like major sport. They're obviously atrocious in football. I don't know how good they are at women's basketball. I'll double check that, but I know in baseball they've not been great. They they have one College World Series appearance ever, and it was the year I was born, uh, in the in, in 1993. The last time they made the NCAA tournament was 2014. And so it's, it's not like they've had a, a you know a storied history in baseball. I don't. What happens? Like, I mean, I, I I think it would be obviously this that would be the one thing that would be a, you know a big you know move the needle kind of uh, a, a kind of a, a landslide for basketball for the men's side would be if the SEC added Kansas because that's obviously one of the top five you know premier most prestigious um, programs right now at least in in men's college basketball. But I, I was. Looking back on Twitter today, and, and a, a guy I follow on there named Kevin Sweeney, who I don't think I've had on the podcast before, but I've talked to him about different things, and I, I like his basketball coverage. He wrote for Sports Illustrated um, about what will come to Big 12 basketball, and, and specifically about Kansas. And it's like, you know, this has all been, a, a, as we've talked about, a, a football-driven conversation. Kansas football, obviously, is horrendous and has been for a while. So like it, you know, people aren't gonna really care necessarily what Kansas football does, but where does that leave Kansas basketball? Could it be a, a case of, you know, would Kansas? I don't, I don't know what how legality is that this would work, but could they go into a different conference in basketball than they do football? I mean, that's what that's what Notre Dame does in basketball and, and football, but I don't know since they're independent, does that change things? Could Kansas be, could Kansas go independent in football and then and go to a different conference in basketball? Like I don't, I think that to me would be the interesting thing to watch is if the Big Twelve dissolves. You know they don't they don't go raid you know uh, Mountain West or whatever and and pr- bring in some other schools from other conferences. What does that do for Kansas basketball, men's basketball, and could the SEC get them? Because that now that would be something having uh, Kansas and Kentucky, you know, two blue blood programs being in the same conference. Obviously, it'd be the, the similar vein of having well not not similar because it wouldn't be both in state rivals, but it'd be like having Duke and North Carolina. You know, they're they're in the same conference. Um, it, it, that would that to me would be the one thing that would like move the needle big time for the basketball side of things is you know what does this mean for the Big Twelve if it dissolves if they don't go and bring in schools from you know non Power Five conferences to try to stay afloat here does the SEC in some capacity try to go after Kansas if even if it's just even if it's just basketball I I, I don't know like that that's going to be the interesting thing to watch from a Big Twelve perspective and kind of an SEC perspective too is does Kansas basketball somehow end up in the SEC? Because that, to me, that would be a lot of fun. Seeing Kansas and Kentucky go head to head. See Tennessee and Kansas. I mean, Tennessee and Kansas has played each other multiple times in the past what three, four seasons at this point, and to see them play on a you know on a regular basis every year, that'd be fun. And that that, that to me would be more fun. Obviously, as you talked about, you know, I think that would be still still kind of a regional kind of a you know 
bigger deal in, in Knoxville and, and and Lawrence, but I think that would be still more of a a national story than Tennessee, Texas in a, in the long run. So I don't know Kansas to me that that's kind of the interesting wild card from the Big Twelve. Do they somehow end up in the SEC? That that would be if they ended up in the SEC. That'd be the lone one that would not be a football driven addition because their football team. I'm gonna look it up with their uh, their record because I, I know it's been horrendous in the last few years, but I, I don't know exactly how bad. I know they went winless. They've gone winless in the conference. I don't know how many times um, over the last what decade or longer. But let's take about they they were decent in like what the mid 2000s I think. Yeah, they were. Uh, God, they were yeah, twelve and one under Mark Mangino in two thousand seven, and eight and five the year after that. So like, they had a, a good four year stretch there under Mark Mangino uh, from two thousand five through two thousand eight. But that's been, I mean, that's legitimately been it. They haven't made a bowl game since that two thousand eight season. That had a winning season since then. They've got they were five and seven, three nine, and then you have a bunch of two and three win seasons and zero win seasons a couple of times in there as well. So I, th- again, that would definitely, that would be a, uh, the only one I could see being a non football driven decision, but I don't know. Do you, do you have any thoughts on that? Cause I think like, big 12 dissolving, I think is more inevitable than them bringing in teams. Cause you, I, I didn't, I'd forgotten about this until you were talking about it with me before we start recording that the big 12 had a chance to add, teams to their conference, you know, like what, four or five years ago and decided against it. And now, like I mean, DF and Memphis and yeah. And now, in hindsight, they got to be kicking themselves over that. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, because I don't really, you know, it's, it's the irony is it was basically Texas and Oklahoma that, um, that nicks that decision because all, I mean, it's, it's why Missouri wanted to leave. It's why Nebraska wanted to leave. It's why A and M wanted to leave. I, 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 somebody else left the Big Twelve. I thought I, I could be wrong there. Um, there, there were four teams that left from 2011 to 2012, and I had it pulled up in front of me earlier. And I've it was Colorado, Nebraska, oh, Colorado. Texas A&M, yeah, Colorado, Nebraska, Texas A&M, Missouri, all left within a two-year span. Because everybody was tired of you know essentially two teams making all the making all the decisions in a twelve team league and, um, and and so to see um, to see what they've you know what's happened now where you know ten years ago they made this they made this call to not expand and now they could be you know driving to Orlando Florida. Or I'm sorry, obviously flying to Orlando for him, flying to Memphis, Tennessee, flying to Cincinnati, you know, making the trip down to Houston to to grovel for, hey, you know, remember when you were interested? Because here's reality. Um, if I'm any of those four schools and Texas and Oklahoma aren't there, why should I leave the AAC, the American? And, and it sounds stupid to say that, but something's been built there. You, you know, you've got a, a pretty decent, you know, Houston's weirdly located in that league and SMU, but a lot of the teams in that league, it's a pretty solid league in all sports, football. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not just in football. That's actually, it's a, it's a pretty decent league in, in basketball too. Yeah. Cause you make a good point. Like if, well, not if basically when Texas and Oklahoma leave, you're left with 
I mean, Baylor did just win an actual championship in in men's basketball, but you have Baylor, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, TCU, Texas Tech, and West Virginia. I mean, that's not like that's not a that's not a Power Five conference to me. That's just not 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 in, in football or basketball. It essentially turns into what the Southwest Conference was, just different teams, um, and. So like that's so the Big Twelve again, the Big Twelve is Texas and Oklahoma, and I'm not saying this from a simply you know it's this obviously isn't a decision that is something I'm saying based on you know just appeal. I mean like it's mainly on appeal. I'm sorry, it's not based on just results because we've talked about this in basketball. Um, you know that they've been okay. But Texas and Oklahoma are the Big 12 in any incarnation that you have of it. So it's not all of a sudden you aren't appealing to anybody, at least from what I've seen. You're not appealing to anybody because, you. I mean, you've got Ames, Iowa. Like, congrats, I guess. <laughs> I, I mean. I mean, and you have some of Texas, but you don't have, like, the two biggest players in Texas. Yeah, you've got you got TCU, and, and yeah, and Baylor. And, and Baylor struggled over the past couple of years, and mm-hmm. they kind of had it running a couple of years ago, and then they uh, lost uh, lost the coach of the NFL and replaced mm-hmm. him with the LSU defensive coordinator. And I mean, it, yeah, it it sounds like, but you've got it. Look, man. It would be like talking about, yeah, you know, you got this league, you know, but it's got some Tennessee schools in it. Oh, for real? Like Tennessee and Vandy? Uh, what about UT Martin and UT Southern? Because that's a thing now, apparently. Instead <laughs> ETSU, yeah, UT Southern. That's that's yeah. right. That's the new one. Yeah, like it's, uh, yeah, like that's that's basically who. You, really? You want me to get excited? Man, what? I got these Alabama schools, baby. Really? Who? You got Alabama schools? Yeah, yeah. Auburn University of Montgomery <laughs> and UAB. Yeah, you still interested? Uh, not so much. And so I got Sanford and UAB. How do you feel about it? And and that's a, and look, it's not fair to TCU and Baylor because obviously Baylor has been successful in football. I think I still remember some Baylor-Michigan State football game and a bowl game a few years ago. That was one of the funnest games I've ever watched. Um, I think Bryce Petty may have been a quarterback at that point. But anyways, I, I think like it's not fair to Baylor and TCU, but that league loses all of its credibility the second that Texas and Oklahoma walk out that door. And look, I can imagine Texas and Oklahoma saying, look, man, we're tired of carrying you all. Because we've been carrying you all. Make no mistake about it, financially and otherwise. Um, like Baylor winning a national championship in basketball and being overwhelmingly type good, it's nice. But subtract Baylor's face and put Texas in there and see how much bigger that sounds. It's nice that Baylor won. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. It's and here's a, here's a connection point. Tennessee's baseball team was a successful, the most successful program on campus this year. Yep. You know, obviously make it to the College World Series. 
And people, obviously, I saw the videos. People 100% fell in love with that run. Now subtract baseball and make it the football program. That just does that was did the exact same thing. That's essentially what Baylor in the state of Texas winning a national championship in men's basketball is, because it would be so much bigger if Texas did it. And it's unfortunate. That's not fair. Yeah. But that's also really the reality. It's also the reality. It also speaks to the unfairness of, you know, what we do as far as making decisions with football solely based, and we don't take any other sport in consideration. But that's life, and life isn't, you know, life isn't fair. And um, so you see it, and you watch it, and you're just like, man, that's rough. It stinks. But it, you know, and you hate to say it, but it is what it is. Well, we'll uh, <laughs> transition from that topic. We uh, we could talk for a while longer. I think you and I talked about almost 20 minutes before we recorded, Gene. It was mostly all about Congress realignment and stuff. So there, there's still you know plenty to kind of be figured out there. Again, I don't think it's going to stop just at Texas and Oklahoma. We'll see. I, I don't know. You know, college sports is in a was already in a weird, interesting transition point with the you know the name, image, likeness, everything going on with that. Um, different scandals and stuff. We, we were just talking about LSU, but obviously there have been even bigger ones with different schools and stuff. Um, not just recruiting, but other other things as well. College athletics are already in an interesting transition period and kind of a, a, a big uh, turning point for different reasons. And now this is going to just really throw a wrench if if it's if it is more than just Texas and Oklahoma. Even that is is a big kind of power shift. But if it's if it's more than that, then goodness. Um, we're in for some big changes potentially in college athletics, not just football, but in, in college athletics in general. But transitioning there to a, a second and final topic here, and this one probably won't last nearly as long. But we have on Thursday of this week, we have the 2021 NBA draft. And Gene, I am fully expecting Tennessee to have two first round draft picks in men's basketball for the first time since 1977. And, of course, back then it was Bernard King going to the New Jersey Nets uh, in the first round, number seven overall, and Ernie Grunfeld going to the Bucks of Milwaukee, who just won a national title. Congrats to Giannis. That was a, a fantastic finals performance by him. Uh, going to the Bucks number 11 overall. That's the only time Tennessee has ever had first-round picks in the same – two first-round picks in the same draft. In fact, Tennessee hasn't had, you know, that many first-round picks just in general. Uh, if they had two this this – time, it would be the same amount they had in a 10-year span from 2011 to 2019, I guess 2011 to 20, whatever this last draft, the 2021 was. Uh, Grant Williams obviously went number one, or in the first round in 2019, and Tobias Harris went in the first round in 2011. But Gina, a, a couple of things I do want to talk about here. It seems like to me, and I mean to me, but it definitely is the case that Keon Johnson has kind of slipped in mock drafts, and I think it's understandable. His athleticism was obviously on display at Tennessee and, and clearly on display at the NBA Combine. We talked about that in the NBA Draft Combine, you know, uh, I guess last month is when that was now. I can't remember. It, it feels like it was forever ago, but it might have been early early July. But, you know, when he set the, the Combine record for the vertical leap and everything he did there, his his athleticism isn't in question. It's the fact that he's been dropping is because people have been analyzing more and more of his actual offensive game and kind of how raw he is there and his jumper needs a lot of, you know, needs work. It's not, I think, to quote, I'm trying to remember who it was now. It might have been someone from the ringer. I, I don't recall, but someone said that his, his jump shot isn't broken, but it needs tuning and it needs refinement. His offensive game kind of overall needs refinement. And 
in on the inverse, Jaden Springer's kind of been, not, not been rising a whole lot, but he's been rising a couple spots in a lot of different mock drafts. Most recent ones I've seen have had Keon falling out of the lottery range, but he's still kind of in the mid-first round and, and kind of could still be kind of a, a late lottery. I think the lottery is, what, the first 14 picks? He's been kind of hovering around that 13 to, to 20 range, mostly kind of 13 to 17 range from what I've seen in, in a lot of mock drafts lately. And then Jaden's been sneaking into the first round for a lot of them. He's been kind of the... 20, between 28 to 30 is where I've seen him. And, and one of the mock drafts I saw, I had Keon going 16 overall to the Thunder and Jaden going 29 overall to the Suns. Now, I don't, much, don't know about you, Gene, but I don't, I don't feel comfortable enough with my knowledge of all 30 NBA teams to, uh, to say where I would like to see these guys go and where I think would be the best fits for them. I know a certain, you know, certain franchises I would, never, I would not want to see them go to because they're always dysfunctional and can't seem to ever draft correctly. But I think, to me, with Keon and Jaden, I, I, again, I think Tennessee gets two first-round draft picks. But I, I, I'm willing to say I think Keon has enough of that freak athleticism upside and, and, and whatnot that I think he still gets into a draft to the lottery. But I don't think he's going to be a top-ten pick, and I think he's going to be, like, you know, pick number 12, 13, 14. He'll, he'll be at the tail end of the lottery. But I think he still ste- sneaks in there. And I think Jaden will go to... Um, it go in the first round, but I think he's a guy that you know. The later you go in the, in the first round, obviously, the more likely you are going to a a franchise that you know has their stuff together. I think him going to the Suns would be fantastic because you know they seem to be doing pretty well. Obviously, obviously, just made it to the NBA Finals, but it seems like they're a, a well-run organization compared to you know, let's say the Knicks or the Bulls, for example. <laughs> Gene, I don't, I wouldn't want either of those either of those guys to go to the Knicks or Bulls, even though Tennessee players have had a history of being, you know, pretty darn good players for the Knicks. So maybe the Knicks would, would you know, maybe if a guy does get drafted by the Knicks, that's maybe a good omen for Keon or Jane. But I don't think E. Pons gets drafted. I think he'll go and, I think a team will, you know, maybe sign him to a, you know, a, a undrafted free agent deal, kind of like what we saw with, well, I guess, Cal Alexander and whatnot. Um, and he can go into the summer league and stuff, but I, I, I don't think he gets drafted. Um, but I do think both Keon and Jaden go in the first round, and if Jaden slips the second, it'll be pretty early in the second. I think it'll, you won't you won't see him fall into the 40s. I think he'll be early 30s if he goes to go in the second. But I want to hear your thoughts on that because I think Tennessee, it'll be again. We, we've talked about this in previous podcasts. It's a nice, <laughs> even though you didn't do much with them, it's still a nice selling point to say, look, we had two guys go in the first round. We've had three guys go in the first round over the last three seasons. That's more than Tennessee's had in a three-year span ever in the first round. So I guess, yeah, ever in a three-year span. So that, that that's something you can sell that Tennessee has literally never been able to sell before in men's basketball. So that's, at least that's something. Even if you didn't go out and, and have the season you wanted this past year, it could still bode well for your future of saying, look at this, we got three guys in the first round in the last three years. And that's something that's never been done before at Tennessee. So I was looking at um, player comps for for Keon and huh um, <laughs> it's interesting because the guys so the the ringers player comps are Latrell Sprewell, Contavious Codwell Pope and Gary Harris um, Pope be fair, was a lottery pick. He was the number eight yeah. pick in the draft. He is an he is an NBA champion. Um, 
He's gotten tied into the Clutch Sports label, which means he's one of LeBron's guys, which means he'll be taken care of. Uh, he was good during the finals last year when they won it with the Lakers. So, but I, I, I didn't, I didn't have nearly as much of a chance to see Keon play as as others. I did see their SEC tournament run, and I think I saw most of the SEC, of the NCAA tournament game, but. The things he does well, aren't really quantifiable. So it's hustle, yeah. it's leaping ability, it's it's things of that nature. Those are his best skills, and like he's not a legitimate like position player. I'm assuming he'll probably be like a two-type guy, you know, although we are in more of a positionless era, he'd be more of a two-type guy in um, in the NBA. But so, like, I, I try to think about it. I'm like, what does he do well on a basketball court? And it's those things that aren't really quantifiable. Like, he's not a good shooter. Uh, he was a decent ball handler at best. I think the times I saw him, he had a very loose handle of the basket. Yeah. Um, he wasn't he wasn't a guy I would want to be the point guard, but he could he could fill in if you needed him to. But he he wouldn't be. I would not want him being the primary ball handler for an extended period of time. Wasn't really a great creator, unless it was kind of like for him. And again, I don't mean that like negative. I'm just being honest. I mean. Did he average like two assists a game? I, I, and again, I could be wrong. I mean, he may have, um, he may have been like an amazing. Is that guy? He was. He was. A, he was a great. He was a great guy for, what I would say, like poking out steals and a, a pretty good, a very good on-ball defender. He was Tennessee's best, like I think, you know, on-ball defender last year. If I had to, if I had to put a label on him, but he's yeah, he's a guy that his average, his averages for his one year at Tennessee, eleven point three points. Three and a half rebounds, two and a half assists, okay. and one point one steals. So yeah, and and he he had two point six turnovers. So basically a one to one assist to turnover ratio his, there. His greatest trait is just his effort. Mm-hmm. And so and I say all that to say, when you're going to the next level, when you're talking about lottery stuff, like six four, six five, that ain't the height to be kind of a project. You know, like you're you want if at that level you want your projects to be like 6'11, 6'10, 6'11, 7 foot. So in his case in particular, I'd hope that he got into a really good program, a program that was really big on player development. Like again, I speak a lot on this podcast about player development. I talk about it at Tennessee because I do I think that there's a whole position group that does not get developed at all. Um, and I talk about it and I'll talk about it in the NBA where that's so huge. Like people can sit here and talk about the legitimacy of the championship in the NBA this year. But if you look at that Suns team, two of their best guys, two of their key guys. Like now, look, Cam Johnson is 
not young. You know, he was like a four-year guy in, in the in college. But that dude has gotten better in the NBA. Miles Bridges' development has been developed. Like, say what you want about DeAndre Ayton. The kid was developed. If the worst thing you can say about him is that he can't guard Giannis, that's a pretty damn long, that's a pretty big list of people who can't <laughs> guard Giannis. And, I mean, like, I saw enough, I think the first game of the finals, I think he had like 22 and 19. That's player development. So for a guy like Keon, who has so much raw talent and raw ability, he just needs to get to a place. I mean, that was almost my fear about him. If he goes higher, I, you can't always trust those development programs. And not all these kids are going to be around to go through two and three coaching changes. Look, I mean, the Suns, yeah, they were in the finals this year, but how many coaches has Devin Booker had? Like two or three. You know, and he's only been in the league for like six years, five, six years. Giannis is on his second coach, I think, second. Um, I know he had Jason Kidd, and he's got Boonholzer, who always looks confused. You know, like, and Jason Kidd did a lot for his, like, just player development. Turned that, turned that guy into, like, a point forward, in, in essence, and taught him some skills, some requisite skills to be better. So, like, I, I, we look so much at stars at that level that we don't really understand. Like, they're really... Like if you get if you want to talk about like quote unquote superstars, there really aren't nearly as many of those. Like the league is deeper. The league has more good players than there were like 10, 15 years ago. Um, you know, like LeBron's got one foot out the door. Whether he realized or not, but he'll be thirty seven this year. Can't can't keep playing. Not at the level he's playing at, but I mean heck he's been doing it for twenty years, so who knows at this point. Um but it may not be as, you know, it's, there's a lot more good players. And and a lot of that is these kids are coming into the league ready to play. Keon's not, Keon will be able to help you somewhere along the line. But, you know, like that's, you hope it's down the line. If if he gets to a place, look, maybe it's Oklahoma City. I've seen the I've seen the mock draft. I saw the mock draft where he's going or OKC. That's I think that's a good development program. <laughs> uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander has been really good there. The dude that played at Kentucky, but I mean I don't I don't know how much of that was just what he already was. That you know he was good with the Clippers, um, and like God, OKC is like a farm system. Like you get drafted there. And you're good for like a year or two, and you're getting, hey, you're a trade package, baby. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, OKC's, all they're doing is just, you know, picking up draft picks. I'm pretty sure that if OKC takes Keon, it's going to be from a draft, it's going to be from a pick that they got traded to them. Yeah, it would be from the, uh, yeah, see? Uh, the Heat. Yeah. yeah, see? So, like, that's a farm system. Like, man, they're not really concerned too much with winning until they hit on the lottery ticket that they want. Could it be a Keon? I don't know, but I, see, Jaden. I don't think Springer needs that as much. He just needs to get older. <laughs> he just yeah, it's funny. It's, I say it's funny you say that because he's the young. Like part of his appeal has been that he's young and he can be developed. Like that's the. It's interesting that that's your take. And I, I but I also I think I would agree with you on that. He's he's the younger one, but like 
I don't know that he needs as much development as Keon does. He's more polished. He just came across to me as more polished. You know, like he he was more even killed from the games that I saw of Tennessee last year. You know, like Keon could go high and low. Like that emotion is good at times. That emotion is good when you're high. But all of a sudden, if you get low, then that could be a detriment. But, like, I'm looking at a guy like Springer, and when I watched him play, he seemed a lot more even killed. He never seemed to be too high or too low regardless of the, of the circumstances or the situation. Like, he just needs I – mean, he just needs experience. Like, I've seen the Suns – God, that would be amazing for a kid like that. Because, I look, I – I think the I think what's his face? I think Chris Paul will end up going back in some capacity to the Suns. And man, you're telling me that I could look at what he man, I've watched I watched Cam Cameron Payne play basketball. Unfortunately, back when I was a Bulls fan, I had to sit down and watch that kid play basketball. So I am livid during the NBA playoffs this year when I watched this guy out here as a major contributor. He had a game where he had like 30 points and 10 assists, and the man couldn't even dribble the ball down court for the Bulls. All he was known for was being a dancer. He was Russell Westbrook's personal dancer before games early on in his career. And that's development, man. Like to where he is out here, a major contributor to a team. So now all of a sudden, you have Chris Paul. Maybe you have campaign. Who knows? Maybe he gets paid and gets out of there this year. And you need somebody that can log some of those minutes, and he can learn under Chris Paul. That would be huge for somebody like Springer. So, like, not it's not always a detriment to see people fall because there's a lot of people who talk about basketball who don't know basketball, and what they'll just say is, "Man, first round draft pick, first round draft pick." That may not. That's not always as important as it is to find the best fit I mean for to end up in the best situation for you mm-hmm. and if you can end up in a situation one of these kids can end up in a place where look man being the number one pick ain't always <laughs> it ain't always worth it because guess what being the number one pick means the team you're going to was the worst team one of the worst teams in the league specifically in football like you got <laughs> yeah. no chance there. At least there's a lottery in basketball. Uh, I mean, like you know, I understand. Like I mean, the Pistons have the number one pick, and maybe they take Cunningham, uh, and, and maybe that works out. But man, with all you know, shout outs to Jalen Rose. I've seen the Pistons play, man. Matter of fact, I'm pretty sure half the dudes in the NBA Finals either play for the Pistons or Bucks. Uh, I'm sorry, play for the Bucks or Suns. Yeah, half the half the dudes that played in the NBA Finals played for the Pistons at some point. Half <laughs> Chris Middleton was like, was a was a yeah. He started started with the, the Pistons. Yeah, um, uh, there's a laundry list of guys who spent some time in Detroit. And look, maybe they're coming back. I mean, I felt like maybe some things are working out well for them. But like, you don't. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times that number one pick is like a team that's not very good. I mean, Anthony Edwards goes to um, to. Minnesota, and looked he looked good at times this year. That team didn't go very far. Now maybe he was developed some. He was young, but it's important for these guys to end up in a situation where there's a staff in place. And this is Keon specifically. 
He's got to get somewhere where there's some guys who don't need him to go out there and be a guy. They don't need it from him because he's going to be needed to go out there and learn and, and work and develop and be in the gym. Uh, the shot seemed a little slow to me. Um, you know, like, whereas I think Springer was a little, had a better shot. Um, you know, obviously Johnson does things in air that are just spectacular. And that's great. But there's going to be a guy 6'11", 230, that is waiting on you. Like, John Morant has some point guard skills to where you could develop the shot. He's not a good shooter yet. Still not a good shooter. But he has some explosiveness, and he was a natural point guard to where Memphis could take a shot on him. I'm not sure that Keon is that. Now, he can get there, but he needs to really be in a spot where he can be developed. And I think that's going to be something to watch. I'm assuming when we talk about this next week, um, we'll have some more context on exactly whether or not this is a good fit for him. Yeah, sorry, the, the 16th pick for the Thunder is actually from the Celtics. They also have the 18th pick, that's from the Heat. So you're right, Thunder are collecting <laughs> tons of draft picks. They've got course. like 30 picks over the next like nine years. And I don't think I'm yeah. exaggerating on that. I, if, you, if you are, I don't I honestly think it's that much. They, they have a lot. Um, here, here are a couple kind of scouting reports that I wanted to read off to because I, these are ones that I had read and thought were interesting. Um, this first one comes, this is a mock draft I looked at earlier today. Uh, from Jeremy Wu of of Sports Illustrated, who has Keon going to 16, the Thunder. Uh, says the Thunder has been connect have been connected to a wide range of players with their two picks in the teens, and they've explored using both uh, one or both of those to move up into the lottery. Oklahoma City should also have strong options if they stay put, with a big name or two likely to slip to this po- this spot. Johnson has one of the wider ranges of any projected first round pick. He could sneak into the top 10 or fall into the teens. Concerns about his below-average jumper and ball skills have put his stock in flux. Johnson needs to refine his offensive game to maximize his considerable potential, but has better feel than a typical project wing and a tough defensive-oriented mindset that could expedite his pathway to useful minutes. He's one of the best athletes in the draft. The Thunder have time on their side and can certainly afford to take a swing here if they wind up making the pick. And then look at Jaden Springer, the Suns. He says Springer's range at number 29 overall in the first round. So Springer's range remains extremely wide going into draft night. Um, the fact that he's still 18 and viewed as more of a long-term prospect as well. Not every playoff-bound team will rush to select a teenager, but Springer does have real upside, particularly if he falls toward the back of the first round. He bowed injuries during his productive freshman year and projects as a solid defender with an unorthodox but effective floor game. He's still one of the more divisive players in this class as scouts remain split on where his upside lies. While the Suns are potentially in position to sustain their success moving forward, they should eventually seek to develop a long-term backcourt partner for Devin Booker, and this pick could be used to address that. Those are interesting. I think those are, are fairly good. Um, it's pretty pretty well thought out and well, I, I think, do a good job of kind of breaking down Keon on Jaden. This is interesting to me. Kyle Boone of CBS Sports uh, on the same day released a, a mock draft. Has it flipped from everything I've ever seen being mocked for Tennessee's players? Has Jaden Springer going first over Keon? Has Springer going 18 to Thunder? So one way or the other, Thunder might end up with a Tennessee player. Um, but 18 for the Thunder for Jaden Springer. Listen to this, uh, Gene. 
A, this is from Kyle Boone. A scout recently told CBS Sports' Colin Ward Henninger, Henninger that his, in his own personal projections, he rakes Jaden Springer ahead of Jalen Suggs in this draft. That praise might be pouring it on a tad thick, but it shows there really are believers in what Springer can do. He's a bulldog defender who has a great a real edge and a swagger to his game that shows up on both ends. I like what I saw from him at Tennessee. And as a as a shot maker and combo guard, there's a strong role for him to play in the NBA. That took me aback when I saw that. I, I, I mean, one scout, and that, I don't know how many scouts there are, but one scout had him ranked above Jones Suggs. I thought that was interesting to me. And then for Keon Johnson, going number 24 overall to the Rockets, which I thought that's just interesting to me that they have him. He's ranked uh, in their prospect ranks as number 13th. So in his, his just right up here says, this feels like the floor for Keon Johnson, who could also wind up as a late lottery pick. He's a pogo stick leaper who broke the combine vertical record, and there's immense upside here, but he lacks polish overall and may need some time to realize his NBA potential. Nice fit here with Houston, who can afford to be patient. I, that All this tells me, Gene, uh, that's just obviously just two mock drafts. All this tells me is that nobody has a clue about Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer <laughs> when it comes to guys who make these mock drafts because I I having seen Keon go as high as somewhere in the, the you know, around ten to twenty four and then seeing Jaden go from close to being a lottery pick to maybe even early second round. I don't know. It it that it just seems like there's such a and that's and that's the, the thing with one and done players. There usually is unless you're a true like megastar type of guy, you do usually have a pretty wide range and when it comes to, you know, pre-draft speculations and projections, you do have usually a, a kind of a 10 to 15 pick range on some of these, or a lot of these one and done guys, like I said, unless you're like a you know, a Marcus Cousins or a Kevin Durant or whatever, who, you know, those are just premier athletes or, you know, Zion, for example, too. Uh, or, uh, oh gosh, I just, I just forgot his name. Plays for Memphis. Uh, played for Murray State. So. John Morant, yeah. Like, he, he was obviously, you know, didn't have a wide range. He was, they knew he was going to be one of the top picks. So, like, I, I don't know. That, that to me just... It seems like scouts, as 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 Jeremy Wu put it, like they're very divisive on Springer. But I also think they're pretty divisive on Keon Johnson. He he's got less of a range, but like it it's from going to be a potential top ten pick to not being in the lottery. That's to me still pretty divisive. Like I don't know. It, there seems like the the jury is like out on Tennessee's players, or not not out. Excuse me. It's the exact opposite of that. Jury is not out on Tennessee's players. And I, you know, I, I wonder if that has to do with if that's the case for a lot of these guys because of the COVID year and all this different stuff. I like I, I'm, I haven't looked as much into the mock draft other than Tennessee's players, but I don't. And I know Cade Cunningham and is is almost consensus like considered the top number one overall pick. But I, I'd feel like just from what little other stuff I've seen about the draft this year, it seems like that's kind of the case for a lot of guys. It seems like there's not really, it's been kind of hard to nail down this draft in terms of, you know who can go where and whatnot. And it seems like there's going to be a decent amount of trades and stuff that could happen um, as well for the, for this draft class. It's man. It's hard to want to take a guy top 10 in the draft. Who's a guard who shot 27% from three. Yep. In, in today's, especially in today's basketball and does not have the handle to just basically make people think, oh, well, it doesn't matter. We can't guard him regardless. Like, John Morant had the handle. He didn't really have the shot, but he had the handle. And, to be fair, he had the moment. And a lot, there's a lot of push 
that comes with um, there's a lot of push that really starts coming with these guys, especially around March. It's why so many people argue against going to the G League because, well, why go to the G League? You know, you don't get any recognition. Jalen Green is probably going to go second. Didn't play a minute of college basketball. Don't worry about that stuff. He'll take care of himself. Uh, because, you know, the exposure that guys get in the NCAA tournament. Now, look, a guy like John Morant, it was it was good for him, although there was never really a time that he wasn't the number two pick in the draft uh, behind Zion. It was always Zion one, John Morant two. All right, who's three? We'll figure it out from there. It was always kind of the, the feeling there. R.J. Hampton will probably go three. But this is the draft of two good players. That was the feeling that was out there back in 2019, I believe. So, like, it's hard, man. Like, he's, like, Keon is so raw. So raw. Now, and and so it's almost to the point where, like, you know, when you start thinking about it is there's so many things that we have to work on. We have to tighten his handle. We've got to work. We've got to basically rebuild his shot. We've got so many things that we have to do to make, have this kid just ready to help us. Like, it's almost worse for him to end up on a team the lower he falls down the draft. Because a lot of these teams that are picking, like, 15 to 20, those are, like, playoff-caliber teams, unless you're talking about, you know, you said that okay, you know, OKC has the Celtics pick. Um, a lot of those teams that pick 15 to 20, those are, like, playoff-caliber teams. It's hard to take a kid. I mean, look, man, look at look at someone like a Grant Williams now, who kind of gives you a couple good moments in Boston, but they're still. I mean, like he kind of is what he is already in his career, you know. So it's kind of like, what do we, God, what do we do with him? You know, we like him. You can't not like him. That I mean, that certainly won't happen. You can't not like the guy, but those picks. You know, when you're talking 15 and below, those are typically playoff caliber teams. And it's like, man, we need guys who can give us something. You know, and and because what you don't want to have happen is bring in a guy like Keon who is going to be who is so freakishly athletic, but he needs time. And if you're a playoff caliber team. You're gonna have fans that are like, well, why we why we waste a pick on this kid who can't even help us right now, and that's tough. That's why again, that's why somebody like a, you know, Phoenix with uh, Jane Springer, it, it sounds like a match because you've got the you've got the starting point guard most likely in place. Now, if something happens with it's almost why you wish that free agency happened before, um, yeah, before the draft. Because you can kind of understand, okay, we have Chris Paul locked in, or we don't have Chris Paul locked in. Because if you have him locked in, then you can bring in a kid and kind of stash him for a year. Not that he doesn't have to be a G League guy. He doesn't. I mean, he needs to just learn. And who better to learn from than a guy who's been nicknamed the Point God? He's probably who's probably the last. To be honest, he's probably the last of. A dying breed in terms of just the pure point guard. There won't be there after. I mean, after when Chris Paul retires, 
there will never be a pure point guard that ever plays the game again. We're still trying to we're, we're there. People are still trying to debate whether or not Steph Curry is a point guard. They're trying to compare Trey Young and Steph Curry, and they're like they're not the same player. Trey Young is more of a point guard, but he's he's more Allen Iverson than Steph Curry. In terms of, I mean, obviously he he's the he's the new and improved version that can shoot from thirty five feet out. But if you can just learn how to be a better decision maker from a guy, like I said, from a guy who's had that nickname, who's third, who'll be thirty seven years old next year, and not a lot is going to be expected of you. You can't beat that. But Keon, I mean, I guess he's more of a like a an off guard. He needs he needs some of the same stuff, and so you kind of want him to be in a place where he can learn some of that same stuff. And I'm afraid that the higher he gets picked up, he's I mean, the lower he gets picked, he's gonna end up in a place where that's not that's not even an option. Kid, look, man, you you with the high ver- it, it's why I'm really happy. It's almost a good thing that he's not that he is sliding a little bit because. Yeah. yeah, because look, man, I saw a mock draft that had him in Orlando, and no disrespect. I mean, I don't even remember who they got as the head coach because Penny didn't get it. Uh, oh, they got the Mosley guy, Jamal Mosley from Dallas, and you know, look, Mosley, you know, Mosley can probably assemble a staff of people who can, you know, develop because I think you under a lot of these coaches nowadays are understanding the importance of having like player development there especially the orlandos of the world but man i mean orlando like you they need to sell some tickets <laughs> so like you're gonna throw keon johnson out there and just let him go he doesn't need to just go out there and just be thrown out there to, to go he needs to have one moment that makes it on sports center uh where he jumps over a guy and dunks on him and hangs on the rim at the end of some game that they're either losing by 30 or winning by 30. Average about 20 minutes a game, learn a little bit, get him ready for year two, where he can start to learn and develop a little bit. Um, Just a little bit here, a little bit there, to where by year three, year four, you know, they pick up a player option for this guy, and now all of a sudden this kid has got the confidence because he's been learning and developing and learning and developing, and now he's ready to go. Like, essentially, with everything that I said about Jonas Adu, it's the same way I feel about Keon Johnson going through the league. He just needs to be put, he needs to be in a situation where he can be taught and developed and he just grows along the way because he's not going to be ready to play and contribute and be a a contributor to a good team from day one. Yeah, I agree with you. It's not going to be, you know, if he doesn't go in the lottery or whatever, it's, you know, all fans will be upset, but I agree with you. Like, it's, I don't think it's a bad thing he's slipping because that, him going to Orlando, I would not have wanted at all for Keon. That's that's the exact opposite of what, you know, when you look at, you know, compared to like the NFL draft, you look at some of these quarterbacks that go top three, you're like, I mean, it's great to go top three for the money, but like, do you really want to go to, Detroit, for example, or you really want to go to Cleveland? Like, you, you really want to go to these <laughs> these franchises who cannot develop guys and are consistently in the top ten, top five of the draft for a reason. And that's I me. Mean, I would I would not want Keon or Jaden to go to Orlando um, for that reason. 
in particular. Like, like I said, the same thing for the Knicks and Buck or Knicks and Bulls. Like I wouldn't want them to go there either. So, but we we've talked for approximately a million years at this point. So I'll go ahead and end the podcast now. And and again, we'll talk next week about where these guys did end up going the draft, and we'll talk about if Pons get drafted. I just don't think he will. But if he does, it'll be like like what Jordan Bowen did. It'll be last like you know last five picks of the draft if he if he goes. And a team will be taking a flyer on him because of his athleticism and because he, he showed in drills over the summer that he is maybe a better three-point shooter than he did in college. But I would, I would, if I were a scout, I would look more to the f- game film than what he did in drills and practice and stuff. So, but I don't, you know, I'm obviously not an NBA scout, so what do I know? But we'll talk about the draft next week. We'll talk about other stuff that happens, maybe some recruiting notes and stuff, and maybe if there's more drama with SEC expansion, maybe we'll talk more about that. But uh, we appreciate you all tuning in for this episode. Again, if this is your first time, thank you so much for joining us. If this is your, not your first time, we thank you for sticking around and, and giving us another shot for another week here on the Vol Basketball Fever podcast. We, we really do appreciate it. If you're not subscribed, please do. And again, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Vol Hoops Fever on Twitter and Vol Basketball Fever on Facebook. Signing off for Gene, I am Nathaniel, and this has been another episode of the Vol Basketball Fever podcast. Thank you for listening to the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. Subscribe to the show so you'll never miss another episode.